0: I will rise up evil against you from your own household. I I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. By the way, that ultimately ended up being his son that did that. Verse 12, Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. It was a true repentance, by the way, true confession. Nathan said, David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The word means to scorn, to scorn God, the child also. That is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Before we pray, let me, let me be careful. I, I don't know your life, what you've gone through in life. And I would never dare say if you had a child who died, that was because of your sin. You understand that, don't you? This is a specific story about a specific incident that talked about the sin of a king. And so uh, I pray the Holy Spirit will take this to your heart as he needs to. But don't you hear me say that if you had a child die, it's because of your sin or whatever. I just want to make a, what's that called, disclaimer? <laughs> yeah, I don't want anybody to burn my house down, okay? All right, Father, we need your help today. Help us. And help me, God, keep my head straight here. Um, Poor, burn. God, burn this into the hearts of our men, our families, 70% homes without dads. Something ain't right, God. So we need to be arrested here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Be to Keep your Bible open, okay? Let me tell you, gang, I've always been amazed how, how God picks his heroes. I've been amazed. And furthermore, I've been amazed that when he picks his heroes, He refuses to cover up their sin. He paints the strokes, the wide strokes on the canvas. And that's what he did to David. Now, you may be wondering, well, what is this all about? How did this come about? How could a king of Israel, this mighty lover of God, this mighty warrior for the faith, how could something like this ever happen? Well, turn a page back. Go to P, uh, chapter 11, okay? Let me read you just a few verses, then we'll kind of get into the message, okay? 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all of Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But now notice the Bible says, David stayed at Jerusalem. So, first thing we find out here is that David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. David should have been doing what men should do: be with his people. They were out in the trenches. David wasn't in the trenches. They were out in the foxholes. David wasn't in the foxholes. They were out doing what men do. And back then, kings did that with their men. But the Bible tells us David wasn't doing that. David stayed at home. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. I don't think there's anything wrong with Bathsheba here. I think there is something wrong with her a little bit later. She went to David she shouldn't have. Okay. But back then, the roofs were, they walked on, and, and, and bathing was outside. So I don't see if there's anything wrong there. David sent, inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came, this is where I think Bathsheba should have used some discretion. Obviously, should have used some discretion. He laid with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. Verse 5, the woman conceived. She sent and told David and said, I'm pregnant. Now, again, like I said, back in those days when there was a war, the king, while he may not be in the front line, the king would always go with his men. We find at this time David was about 50 years of age. He was no spring chicken, but he wasn't old, Okay. 50s, really young and getting younger, okay? So David, Can I get an amen. There you go. David was about 50 years of age. He had been king in Israel for about 20 years, okay? He had a very distinguished rule. He was on an all-time high, which might be a danger point. He had established his kingdom, and it was very secure, danger. Instead of going out with his men, he stayed at home and had leisure time, Danger, guys, listen to me. There's nothing so tempting for a man to mess up than to have time on his hands. A man with leisure is a man who is prone to lust. Boredom, guys, is tantamount to a mistake. When he should have been with his men fighting, he was on the roof looking. And what he found, he didn't need. He found Bathsheba. One look became lust. Lust brought forth sin, and sin brought forth death. Don't think David ever intended it, but it happened. You know, we're told in the Bible that we are to flee fornication. We're told in the Bible we're to flee youthful lusts. We're told in the Bible we're to flee idolatry. We're to flee the lust of the world. Gang, listen to me. There is no resistance to the enemy other than fleeing. You might quote some scripture as you flee. But I'm telling you, when you're in a pressure cooker and temptation is flaring all around you and passion is riling up around you, you better get on your motorcycle and get out of Dodge and you better do it real fast, okay? Okay. Satan whispers to the drinker, one more drink, tomorrow's a new day. Satan will whisper to the pornographer, one more day, tomorrow's a new day. He'll whisper to those using drugs, oh, tomorrow is a new day, but it's not a new day. It's the same day over and over and over again till you die. When David's eyes began to roam, he fastened on Bathsheba, and when he fastened, fastened his eyes on Bathsheba, he forgot about God. He forgot all about God. When he fastened his eyes upon Bathsheba, he forgot about his family. His wives. Why anybody want more than one wife? I have no clue. When he fastened upon Bathsheba, he thought about the kingdom that God had given. He forgot about Israel. He forgot about Judah. He was thinking one thing, gang. And I want to tell you something. When that one thing flares up like that, you cannot reason against blazing passion. You just can't do that. And so these events began a year of cover-up. So much so that as David tried to keep it secret, his spirit just began to wither and die. He, he wrote no songs that year. He didn't even realize that the parable that Nathan confronted him with was about himself. Looking back on that experience, Psalm 32, here's what he said. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality drained away, as with the fervor heat of summer. Men, young men, you can't rationalize passion. It just can't be contained, so you got to stay out of the circumstance. Well, what do we learn then? What? What can we take from Second Samuel 12, looking at this encounter of the parable with Nathan the prophet? What do we learn? Let me give you some things that, and keep your Bible open and walk with me, okay? The first thing that I jotted down is that when you're in a a, a sin pattern, when you're when you're involved in something that's, that 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 is wicked, that is evil. I, I'm so thankful, Governor Huckabee the other week, on his TV show, he's the only one I've heard say it, said the problem with our country, and even, I'm using my words, not gun. the problem with our country sin. We got a sin problem. Well, what do we do then? What does sin do? Well, notice first of all, verse five and six, sin dulls your discernment. Sin dulls. Your discernment. The thing that struck me is David didn't even realize that the parable was about him. Isn't it amazing? We can see so clearly the sins of others, but we have trouble seeing our own sins. We're blinded by our own sin. David was so busy covering up his own sin. His spiritual discernment had layers of insensitivity wrapped around his own heart. When confession is not regular, when unconfessed sin lies around the heart, gang, it dulls your spiritual ears. How does it manifest itself? Well, a lot of different ways, I think. Uh, The Bible. You just kind of set aside the Bible. Instead of realizing that it's God's love letter to us, it's God's instructions to us, and that the Bible gives us the way of life, you know one of the first things we do is we lose the love of God's love letter to us. So we just kind of take God's word and we set it aside, and, and all of a sudden, like a, a, a lost lover, it sits on the shelf, and it never gets our intention. That's how dulling of sensitivity Takes place. Prayer. Prayer becomes boring. In fact, if you get so caught up in sin gang, you don't even want to get into the presence of God. Because when you're in the presence of God, what happens? Isn't that right? Oh. Conviction, right? He begins to condemn. So you don't want to pray. I tell you, you don't want to go to church. No, 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 no. Man, you don't want to be around God's people. Because that brings conviction. You begin to say things, you know. I went to Rich Cow's class. He's been on vacation, so I can pick on him. He can't go on vacation again, so I I got you now. I don't like that teacher. I don't like what he teaches. Or I, I, I don't like that worship service. Or I don't like that preacher. Or I, you know, there's just some things there that ain't quite right. Well, let me tell you, gang, any church on any corner, guess what? There's some things that ain't quite right. But you ever thought stop to think that maybe it's not the teacher? hmm? As far as I know, he teaches the Bible. Maybe it's not the preacher. Could it be? Possibly that my sensitivity now has become so dull that I've lost my discernment. And you can't hear God. David didn't even know that the parable was directed to him. It dulled his sensitivity. Second thing, if you look at verse 7, not only does it dull your sensitivity, sensitivity or your discernment, but it dishonors your Lord. If you look at verse 7, look at these pronouns. Nathan said to David, you're the man, thus says the Lord God, I anointed you over king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives. I gave you David. I gave you the house of Israel. And David, if that hadn't been good enough, dude, I'd have given you more. I got a whole lot more, David, that I could have given you. But David, you dishonored me. I want to tell you, gang, maybe the most bad thing, that's probably not in good English, that happens when you sin, is that you dishonor your Lord. We would do well to remember that when we sin, we dishonor the very one who gave his only son, who carried all of our sin to a cross and shed his blood and died. We forget that we're dishonoring the one who poured out all of his wrath every bit no more to pour out. Only on his only begotten son. And the only begotten son shed his blood for our sin. And when we sin, we dishonor the one who paid it all. Gang, sin dulls our discernment. Sin dishonors our Lord. Number three, sin. Also disgraces your testimony. Look, look, beginning verse nine. Here, you know, David said, "David, I, uh, God said, David, I did this, I did this, I did this." And then, and then notice, but David, you did this. And there's two "you"s there. A couple of them are understood. Verse nine. Read that. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite. There's an understood "you" there. You've taken his wife. And you understood you have killed him with the sword. Gang, listen to me. Sin does something to you. Sin destroys, damages your own life, your own testimony, your own character, your own integrity. And when you get in a sin pattern... It seems that it proliferates and it grows. And so, therefore, it's an increasing, when you step outside the guidelines, it seems there's an increasing growth of wickedness in your life. When we let our discipline slide, then we do untold damage to our own selves as well as with others. Maybe maybe David thought that he could sin without suffering. I want you to know, dear people, you can't sin without suffering. You can't do it. It's impossible, okay? Why do you think Jesus shed his blood? Why do you think Jesus went through the humiliation of the cross? Because you cannot sin without suffering. Moses, I mean, Hosea, the prophet said it this way. For they sow the wind, they reap the whirlwind. Paul in the New Testament said it God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. How many of you guys, um, you've heard me mention this guy. I don't know if you've read anything by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Anybody? Very few? I, let, me, let me tell you what I would recommend to you that uh, go to Lifeway and. and and buy some books by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or buy the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, okay? Um, A German, gave his life, incredible theologian. This is long, but I want to read to you what he wrote. And and he wrote it in a book called, I think it was called Temptation, okay? Listen, Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote. In our members, there is a slumbering inclination toward desire, which is both sudden and fierce, With irresistible power, desire seizes master over the flesh. All at once a secret, smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it's sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love of fame and power or greed for money. Joy in God is in course of being extinguished in us as we seek all of our joy in the creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality, and only desire for the creature is real. Satan doesn't fill us with a hatred of God, but with the forgetfulness of God. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. It is here that everything within me rises up against the word of God. Powers of the body, the mind, and the will, which were held in obedience under the discipline of the word, of which I believed I was the master, makes it clear to me that I am by no means master of them. The adversary deploys my power against me. Sin, sin disgraces Your manhood, man. Sin disgraces your integrity, man. Sin hits your character, ladies. One last thing, then I'll pull it all together. If you look at verses 10 through 14, there's one other thing that sin does. It damages other people. In fact, it can destroy other people. It destroyed two people here in this story, didn't it, huh? The consequences of sin are a heavy burden to carry. Yes, confession and repentance brings forgiveness. Praise God for that. Amen? Praise God for grace. But there's a heavy burden. The effects of sin are heavy. And the pain is very real. David's kingdom was never the same, gang. He spent the rest of his life putting out fires in his family. Spent the rest of his life putting out fires in the kingdom. Did you catch the the, the implication of verse 14? David, you gave my enemies the opportunity to literally scorn me, David. When you sin, the anti-God people scorn a holy, righteous God. So what do we do then? What can we perhaps pull that'll maybe help us tomorrow or when school starts, young people? Well, I'm going to give you four things, and then we're through. Number one, I think you ought to think before you act, okay? And that's trite, maybe simplistic, but it's not. It's very heavy. Think before you act. Decide beforehand your boundaries. You cannot rationalize. I said earlier, you can't rationalize passion. You can't rationalize emotion. The heat of the moment is not the time for the decision. I know if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say this. When our kids were growing up, I sat down with both of our kids. And when they got old enough to understand, I told my daughter Rhonda and I told my son Jeff, the back seat of a car is not the time to determine your, your boundaries. Yeah, hey, Yeah. You hear me? Say yes, Brother Tom. I ain't going to. The back seat of a car is not the place to determine your boundaries. You determine that before you ever. Don't ever get there, okay? I was about to get in trouble. (laughs) I was about to get. That's the anesthesia, okay? (laughs) Think. Think before you act. And, ladies. We don't need to see your cleavage. You know, look like ladies. Girls look like ladies. We don't need to see. Save that for your husband-to-be. We don't need that. We have enough problems with our eyes. Help us out a little bit, okay? I don't know why I said that. Okay, number two. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, amen. Number two Think before you act, but you got to do something before you think, and that's pray before you think, okay? Prayer should be your first act of the day, not when the pressures of the day hit. Prayer should be your first response, not your uh, uh, last response, okay? Number three, before you pray, there's something else you should do. Surrender before you pray. Listen, gang, you got to know that your life is fully surrendered before you ever get into the furnace, If there's any question about that in your life, then when you're in the furnace, it's just going to prove who you are. You understand that, don't you? If you wait to get in the furnace, all it's going to do is prove who you really are. So you've got to be sure you're surrendered before you ever pray. Be sure. James chapter, whatever, uh, submit yourself unto the Lord. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Submit yourself. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. Okay? One last thing. Repent and believe before you surrender. Be sure. Now listen to me, gang. Be sure you've settled once and for all who owns you. You see, the only response to the call of God is repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a promise to do better. It's not a, a commitment to reform. It's not a promise to change your thought life or your actions. The only response to the call of God, gang, is repentance of sin and faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Because of the word of God alone that shows us what faith is. Like I told you, I, I don't know of anybody in the Bible who loved God more but fell so tragically. Let me tell you a story, and I'm through. In, in my first church, I had a, a, a lady who was one of the sweetest ladies I've ever known. I had the joy of watching her come into the church, and, boy, the joy of the Lord was all over her, serve the Lord, uh, you name it. You could call her at 2 o'clock in the morning, and she would drop whatever she was doing, and she would come to church. She never had much money. She just always struggled in that area. And one day she came to me, and she was so excited. She said, oh, but Tom, you're not going to believe it. She said, but I'm getting a new car. Now, it wasn't a new new car, but it was a new car for her. You know what I'm talking about. And she was so excited about it, and she came to church. Well, I rejoiced with her in it, and it was so nice. And, and, uh, and so she had her new car. About two or three months later, I said to her, I said, hey, how's your, how's your car doing? And she just crestfallen. And I said, what's wrong? She said, it quit working. And I said, what do you mean it quit working? And she said, the engine, the the guy told me the engine locked up and i got to have a whole new engine. And I said, well, Glenda, what happened? How did that come about? She said, I don't know, Brother Tom, I don't know. She said, I noticed as I was driving, though, a red light started flashing. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, well, what did you do? She said, it bugged me, so I put tape over it. And I said, do what? She said, you know, I might have been trying to, yeah, go. Do you think maybe? Again, listen to me. What's flashing on your dashboard this morning? Young people? What's flashing? What's going off? Daddies? What's going off? Mamas? Parents? What's going on? Could it be, could it be that the flashlight is the warning that God's giving to you to keep you from doing something you never thought you would do? David never thought. David never intended. I want to tell you, David loved God, man. I want to tell you, he he, he had a holy passion for God. But he missed it. But he missed it but he missed it. Sin extracts a heavy cost on those we love the most, on our own lives, and the God who saved your soul. By the way, it also extracts a heavy cost on the church of Jesus Christ. And we need strong churches today in our nation as never before. We ought to pray every week for churches in our community, for Geyer Springs, for Southern First United Methodist, um, uh, New Life, Midtown. um, We should pray. Oh, we need churches that will stand upon the word as never before. Well, let's pray together. Stu's going to come. I don't know if you have a decision you need to make. I don't know if maybe you just want to come pray, and, or maybe it's something you need to deal with inside for a minute. Don't know. Uh, but I'll pray. We'll stand, stool, play, and then we'll do our thing. Father, I want to thank you. I'm sure glad I'm not David. Because, God, I don't want my life to laid out like this in front of the people I love. But David's life was. God, I want to thank you that you did. First of all, that wasn't me. Secondly, that it was him. Because nobody loved you more, and nobody hurt more when he fell. And it's a guard for us. It's a a warning light on our flashboard of our heart. That if it happened to him who loved God so much, wow, it could really happen to me who loves God as well. Maybe today, God, there's someone that needs to do business with you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. I just invite you to come. You need to do that right now.
1: We bow our hearts. We bend our Oh, Spirit, come, make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our eyes. So give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift ourselves to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, oh. your face oh God of
0: Jacob well amen thanks for coming today Um, let me just kind of tell you uh, I'm so excited Don Chancellor one of our new staff guys will be starting with us next week